I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to WXAZ, the hits of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Have you had the blues lately? Feeling like someone has a voodoo doll of you hiding between their couch cushions? Are crows following your every move, laughing as you try to shield your face? Have someone stalking your every breath on social media? Are you in need for a mystical glow up? Well, Minerva the Mag, your local witchy baby, is here for all your witchy poo needs. Have you been having nightmares about your ex's Instagram followers? With my manic mugwort tincture, you can calm down about your ex-best friend trying to make a move on your former flame. One sip, and your friend will get mowed down by a herd of llamas. <laughs> and that's not all. <sighs> no, you are right. That isn't all. If you come to visit us at Minerva's Magic Hut before this week's Sapphire Ball, you will get two lazy love potions for the price of one. Present your proof of ticket for entry to the ball, and we will throw in our tried and true awkward situation buzz-off spray. One spray in the face, and you'll send all those polite conversations back to the nether realm where they belong. Can you believe it? I honestly can't. 
It's a recession. How much is this costing me? And so there you have it, folks. Prep up for the hottest gig in town by coming down to Minerva's Magic Hut for some quality bless ups. As always, we have an array of herbs, spices, and magical accoutrements that will satisfy the experience and the amateur witch. Minerva's Magic Hut and Minerva the Mag are not liable for any mishaps with said product. All purchases are final and refunds or relonging of limbs will not be given. All demons that are accidentally summoned to your own behest are not our responsibility. Be blessed at your own risk. The Sapphire Hotel does not endorse or sponsor this message. that monitor and aid our everyday existence, there are further orbits still. These distant signals grow more remote with time, but each of them has a story in the graveyard orbit. pal Demona. Well, I hope you enjoyed the cold open, a cute little glimpse into the world of the occult with Git Blessed, written by Monica Estrella Negra and performed by Wimoto Nioka and Robin Quinn. You know, sometimes I get a feeling of deja vu and I've got to tell you it's not a pleasant sensation. Walking through the motions and feeling like you've done it all a thousand times over could be a very real side effect of living in today's dialed-in world, but what if you really were stuck in an unending simulation? What little glitches or signals would notify you that you were trapped in a loop? These are the questions we'll ask our protagonists in our next story. Featuring the voice talents of Essie Flinor and Craig Hale, this is Anomalous by S.E. Flinor. My dress fluttered in the wind tapping against my shins and sending goosebumps up my legs as I reached the bus stop. I shook off the unsettling chill, knowing myself to be prone to flights of fancy. The queue of people waiting grew longer by the moment, but I couldn't stand still, so I paced while the alarm on my watch went off, telling me I was too late for the 7.40. Again. I spotted Mrs. Titar and Mrs. Excelia in their matching skirts, their hair pulled into almost the same ponytail, 
I wondered what had distracted them from being on time for the 740. I couldn't help but smirk at the idea of the two being in love, just not with their husbands. Where on earth did that idea come from? Everyone knew they loved their husbands. We all did. As the driver pulled up, the fumes made me dizzy, clearing all other thoughts from my mind. The door whooshed open, and I reached for the railing, nearly missing before I felt a hand on my back. Oh dear, Mrs. Titar said, that baby giving you trouble? I looked down at my stomach and rubbed it gently. Oh no, Mrs. Titar, it's a dream come true. I didn't tell her what I actually dreamed about. Initiating Restart Captain Amaria's audio log. Log date, unknown. Just call it day one. I'm lost. I'm losing it. Found another facility a few days out. Is it even worth it? Maybe 30th time's charm. My pink dress with the blue flowers and the light purple belt buckled right atop my baby bump, fluttered in the wind, tapping my legs. The alarm on my watch made no sound as I stood in line for the 740. Today I would not be late. Mrs. Titar and Mrs. Excelia looked as cute as always in their matching yellow skirts with the green leaf pattern on them, their ponytails bobbing up and down as they talked. I giggled to myself at the thought of the two being. But everyone knew they loved their husbands. Everyone loved her husband. I loved my own, of course. Didn't I? My thoughts were interrupted by a woman barreling toward me. She grabbed me and asked, Are you awake? I straightened my dress, touching my belly carefully. What's that? I looked down and my belly was gone. I was immediately relieved. Then my bump returned. I smiled as I looked up at the stranger with the warm russet brown skin. I'm pregnant, silly. Do... do I know you? Have you shit? Excuse me? I took a step back. She drew close. Have you shit? Is everything all right, dear? Mrs. Titar took a step to intercept the stranger. Just then, my watch struck 7.40, and in place of the bus came a big black spaceship from above. Don't ask me how I knew it was a spaceship. I had never seen one before, but it loomed huge, casting us all in shadow. Near what looked like a door were pink dots and lines that almost looked like letters and numbers. I turned to look at the woman as it landed, knowing they were coming for her. Initiating Restart Log date, day eight. Success one? Edited under the authority of Captain Amaria, who won't be questioned by a bunch of code and bots for fuck's sake. Edited by Mata for accuracy. Edit note. Mata, why are you editing my logs? Mata, edit note. Captain, why are you revising your logs? Edit note. Mata, the ship is under my command. 
Mata edit note. Captain, these logs are housed in my memory. I think I did it. Redacted. Saw me for a second. Mata told me not to get my hopes up. She knows how many times I've thought this before. Mata note. Captain Amaria has been certain 12 times. Unless you count the time she thought there were two people awake as two different times. Then 13. I'm going to try again tomorrow, I guess. It's risky. They might have detected the anomaly of my presence. Even if not, a patrol ship is bound to come by soon. I have to try. Side note to Mata and the rest of the bots. I'm going to start shooting you into space if you don't stop messing with my experiments. This serum is just as important as my mission. I had the dream again. The man is back in the room with the door and the dozens of locks. He stands frozen in place, unable to open the last lock and unable to leave until he does. I watch the man perspire and struggle and I know I am the man. I look down at my overalls with one strap hanging down and realize there is no lock, there is no door, there is no room. Everything glitches for a moment and I see the seams of the world, bright green and pink lines that make a grid of everything around me. Everything but... Initiating restart. My purple dress with the pink flowers and the little blue belt accentuating my baby bump fluttered in the wind, tapping my legs in an odd rhythm. I started to shiver and pulled my coat closer around me, sticking my hands in my pockets. I stood across the street from the bus stop, watching Mrs. Tatar and Mrs. Excelia and their damned perfect ponytails bobbing in rhythm. I hated them. They were so at ease, and I was losing my mind. Inside my pocket, I held on to a piece of folded paper I'd found that morning. I had read it while I was still in bed, wondering why my husband had left me a note. When I read it, I realized who it was actually from. Me. Fuck the bus. Fuck Mrs. Tittar. Fuck Mrs. Excelia. Fuck your dream come true, baby. There is only one dream that matters now. Find the stranger. Figure it out. I had read it three times before I had understood before the dream of the man I was and was not returned to me. Then I knew what I had to do. I watched the queue stand there as the time clicked by. The 740 didn't come and neither did the 755. I wondered how long they would stand there. If you hang around too long, they're bound to notice you. I turned and saw the woman. She was beautiful, much more beautiful than I'd expected. Her jet black hair was pulled back into a pile of messy curls. Her russet brown skin almost glowed in the bright blue sunlight. Help me? She cocked her head to the side and I handed her my letter. She read it. It's kind of sweaty and smudged, but I appreciate the liberal use of fuck. So I'm right? The letter is real? Might be the only thing that is. Tell me what you know. When was the last time you shit? Why do you keep asking that? It's disgusting. Just answer the question. When was the last time you shit? I thought about the morning. I thought about the night before. I flipped through as many memories as I could in my mind. 
After a few quiet moments, she spoke. They never think to program in the shitting. It's the only obvious mistake I've been able to find. It's not the only one. Right. The belly glitch. She followed my logic easily. I felt like I was talking to another person like me for the first time. Please, I said. Tell me everything. Initiating Hatch Release Cycle My breath fluttered as I opened my eyes. Pins and needles traveled all up and down my legs as I hacked up some kind of green goo. My eyes struggled to focus and I took several long, hard blinks. An eerie blue light was cast over me and the metal surrounding my body. I reached out. The metal was cool to the touch. Everything was so cold and I had no idea where I was. (laughs) I looked down at my naked, pale body, completely devoid of hair, and shivered. There was no baby bump to behold, and I felt relief and gratitude wash over me. She had told me there wouldn't be, but I had a hard time believing her in my apartment. It felt so real. It all came crashing back down. There was no baby, no apartment, no bus, no husband, no, no, no. There was nothing. Then she was there, beside me, holding the top of the containment chamber open with one hand. I looked up and recognized the woman from the bus stop, her black curls falling down into her beautiful brown eyes. Easy. She said, pushing her hair out of her eyes with the back of her other hand. She looked me right in the eye, never breaking my gaze, never letting her eyes drift to my body. You're going to need a moment. I tried not to sob as every part of my brain felt broken. I didn't want to talk, didn't want to think. I just wanted to be not there or maybe not anywhere. And though I hated it, a small part of me wanted to go back back to where it made sense, back to where I knew who I was and what I was doing and what my purpose was. You okay? I looked at her. (sighs) Obviously not. (sighs) I'm sorry. I I don't know what to say. I've never gotten anyone out before. She smiled at me with tears in her eyes. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't smile. I shouldn't be happy, but I am. I just... I think maybe if you can stand up and we can get... I put my hand on her hand, and she stopped talking. It's okay. I forced a small smile. Thank you. My voice was hoarse, and I started to cough, just a little at first, and then I was gagging and hacking, and tears streamed from my eyes. Feeling the hot, wet tears on my cheeks broke something open in me, and I wept. She reached out and rubbed my naked back gently. She didn't shush me or rush me. My chest heaved and I gasped for breath. It had been so long since I'd cried, so long since I'd done anything, really. And every time I thought of that, it made me cry harder. Marcy, I need you to breathe. Focus on breathing. Can you do that for me? I drew low, slow breaths and released my clenched fists. I looked up at her with her kind smile and her skin flushed with life and I loved her. Good job. Keep going. 
Her eyes darted around the room, never once landing on my body. Hold on a sec. I'm going to get you something to wear. She walked away, and it took everything inside me not to beg her to stay. There was no reason to think she wouldn't return, yet everything in my brain screamed that if I lost sight of her, I would lose her and wake up back. There. A chamber had held my body for a little over nine months as I was prepared for conception, running simulations to keep me occupied and alert and acclimate me to the idea of pregnancy. Back in my apartment, no, back in the sim, she had told me that the transition would be hard, that I would hurt. I did hurt, but more than I hurt, I was angry. I felt my hands start to shake. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. By the time she returned, I had sat up fully and drawn my legs into my chest. I didn't want her to see what they'd done to my body, how they'd made me into, how they'd tried. I loved Captain Amaria for not straining to see my body for handing me the lab coat while she looked away. A beeping started and I grabbed my chest, scrambling back further from the foot of the chamber. The alarm from the sim, not my watch, I reminded myself, had come from my chamber's cover the whole time. I pushed it open and struggled to stand, wanting to get as far from that sound as quickly as possible. My knees buckled and Captain Amaria moved to catch me. We hobbled forward away from my containment chamber and the familiar, unfamiliar beeping stopped. As my eyes adjusted to the dark, I could see we were inside a huge open room with dozens of central columns of blue light 
and dozens of containment chambers gathered around each of those. I didn't want to think about how many rooms this size lay beyond ours. We need to go. I took a step and buckled over, wheezing. One second, Captain Amaria. I leaned onto a chamber. I I just need a moment. I trailed off, having no idea what to do. We had to get to her ship to get away from here, but my legs weren't cooperating. Hang on. I have an idea. She left me standing there, hunched over. I looked down into the chamber I was leaning on and saw Mrs. Titar. I wondered what her real name was. Her head was turned to the side, her eyes open, as if she were looking for someone. I followed her eyes to another chamber, which I hobbled toward urgently. I needed to know. In the second chamber was the person I knew as Mrs. Excelia. I had been right all along in the sim. I wanted to break them out to wake them, but Captain Amaria had warned me the shock would kill anyone who wasn't already awake prior to being extracted. She had tried before. She wouldn't tell me any more about it. A hovering gurney trailed behind her when Captain Amaria returned. I'm guessing you don't want to lie down again just yet. I shook my head. I can make it. How far? She left the gurney and slung my arm over her shoulders again. Captain Amaria was so much taller than I, and her muscles bulged against my waist. I wasn't malnourished, but my arms and legs were like little pins sticking out of my round center. We're almost there. I could tell from her inflection she was lying to make me feel better. I tried to keep up with her stride, but she was stronger, faster, taller, and hadn't been sedated for several months for Xerocorp's breeding program. We made it into the long, bright white hallway with scattered pink lines and dots at various intervals, the language I'd seen on the spaceship, and I winced at the brightness. I remembered where I knew the ship from, the day Xerocorp's drones had come to Teleria. I remembered standing under their giant black ships pushing through the crowd so I could get closer. As a boy, I'd loved anything that could fly, and I was looking at a real, live spaceship. My mother would be delighted. I pressed my eyes closed against the memories that followed. The gunfire, the fear, the cold inside of the ship, and then worse. I braced myself against the wall. You can't stop. Give me a fucking moment. She wasn't responsible, wasn't my enemy, but she was right there and I was so angry. I leaned against the wall, activating some of the pink line and dot language. Xerocorp believes in providing our employees with the very best. A voice started in three languages, two of which I spoke. I zoned out as I slid to the ground. I'm sorry. Somehow Captain Amaria heard me over the sterile voices droning on. We still have a ways to go. I nodded. The voices highlighted the additional vacation offered to employees living alone at an uncrewed site for a year or more. 
A chiming noise interrupted them. A cruiser is approaching. Any personnel not otherwise engaged, please gather at the hatch. Shit. A siren blared from her pocket. The noise hurt my too sensitive ears, though I didn't react. I was so exhausted, I didn't think I'd ever be able to react to anything again. I need to touch base with Mata. She's my absolute favorite bot, and I named her after... In the middle of her sentence, she pulled a small object out of her pocket and popped it into her eye. Talk to me, Mata. She nodded at me. Yeah, the ship told us. She rolled her eyes at me. I don't see why we should panic. There's no crew here and it always takes them a while to... Wait, how close? Do you mind? She asked as she pulled me into her arms. Back to her bot, she said. Fuck. Okay. Okay, yes, I know, of course. Then, to me. Sorry to grab you, but we are officially in a fucking hurry. Mata says they're not far from docking, which means they're not far from being able to see my ship, which is nestled... You know what? I'll explain later. She hitched me up over one shoulder. Hold on tight. I hadn't moved quickly in so long and felt queasy as she sprinted down the corridor. She was fast, fast like the wind-riding cloud walker from the comics I read as a kid. I closed my eyes against my nausea and pictured her as a superhero then, commanding the elements. Just as we turned down a long hallway, the hatch ahead of us started an opening sequence. The voices began a cheery countdown. The new crew will arrive in five, four, three... Captain Amaria set me down on the ground, pulled a tiny object out of her pocket, and rapidly unfolded it until it formed a long, flat metal rod. She wove it through the handle and braced the hatch door closed. Alert! Alert! Door malfunction! She picked me up again. We need more than a count of three. She ran down the hallway, almost tripping twice. I looked for the hatch that would lead to her ship but the direction we were heading led to a dead end. Behind us, I heard the main hatch open and the crew enter. A voice barked orders to others in a language I'd never heard, and tears gathered in my eyes. I wouldn't go back. I couldn't go back. They couldn't make me. Even as I told myself that, I knew it wasn't true. Of course they could. Then we were falling through a hole leading to a docking tube. Before I knew it, I was buckled safely in her ship where I refused the IV Mata offered me and the protein block I bought I didn't yet know tried to get me to eat. Captain Amaria undocked and let our ship simply float away. With the power off, ZeroCorp wouldn't be able to tell our ship from space debris. At least that's what she told me. I didn't take my eyes off the ship until I could no longer make its black, sleek form out from the void of space around it. Log date. Day 53. Edited by Mata for completeness. He's been crying off and on for days. I get it. But this ship is small. It's really only a transport, and I'm used to recording my logs whenever and wherever I want. I'm currently huddled in the latrine, and I can hear Mata beeping to soothe him. 
I've offered as much comfort as I can, but sometimes you just have to weep, I guess. When he first came out of the sim, he was happy. Then he saw himself in the mirror. The same one I'm looking into as I record this. He asked me what they had done to him, how they had managed it. I still don't know. I'd never found someone like us in the sim before. Later, I told him about the serum and he immediately wanted it. I told him I was only on my second trial for myself and that there were still some adverse effects I was trying to remedy. I had given myself a short-lived third arm after all. He didn't care if it would give him a third arm if it would allow him to look in the mirror and see himself, rather than the thing that they made him into. I didn't tell him the arm started out the size of a baby's and grew quickly and painfully into an adult in two days. He stopped crying now, so I should go out and see how he is. I hope he stays. I am going to lose my fucking mind if I only have bots to talk to. The other day, Mata had the audacity to tell me I'm falling in love with him. If you're reading my logs again, Mata, fine. You're right. Now stop going through my private shit. Mata, no. When Captain Amaria is in close proximity to Marku, there is a marked increase in her heart rate and the amount of moisture on her palms. I have not mentioned that I noticed something similar happening to Marku. At first, I thought they were sick and started to initiate my contagion protocols. But apparently, this is what it looks like when humans love. Do you like the curry? She had her feet kicked up on the helm, her eyes gazing out into the void where a single facility waited. We wouldn't have appeared on their radar yet, even if it were a facility with the crew though she told me she'd yet to come across one. The closest she'd come to contact with ZeroCorp drones was when we'd narrowly escaped them six months earlier. I didn't like to think about it, still dreamed of the countdown and the hatch opening. Except in my nightmares, Captain Amaria was gone. It's good, she said as she slurped up another bowl. It was her third, but I'd insisted on the first two. After so long together in space, I'd become fascinated with cooking for her, finding the things that made her smile, and I knew when she wasn't eating enough. Rationing made sense, but I simply reduced my share so she could have more. She probably knew. She was the smartest person I'd ever met. But she also knew she would be going into the sim alone, as always. There were a lot of things I could and would do. I'd shot at a patrol ship. I blew up one facility after she'd been unable to wake anyone. I'd done worse. She hadn't agreed with my decision, but she respected my choice, knowing she would never face the same fate. Captain Amaria wasn't the right kind of woman to end up in a simulation. And I was the right kind of man. A shiver passed down my spine as I thought about how real and how wrong the sim had been. I couldn't go back in. I wouldn't. Not even to save someone else. It's time. The last patrol to stop by here is a good two days out and probably won't turn around for a minor anomaly like me. She handed me her empty bowl and I leaned down to kiss her. She tasted like the best curry I'd ever had, mixed with wild freedom. She tasted like home. We're not the anomalies, babe. They are.
The whoosh of a containment chamber opening resounded through a cold, dead room, followed quickly by a second. Two could be heard gagging and spitting up. When finally she could sit up, she saw her beloved, and her beloved saw her. Z smiled at her large and toothy before letting out a raspy. We did it. First one body, then the other, slid to the ground with a wet slap. They crawled toward each other as their eyes adjusted to the dark. When their hands met, they cried, for they were finally rid of those damn yellow skirts with the green leaves. satellite to rest. The Realm Network presents Graveyard Orbit, a part of the Decoded Horror Channel and an Okie Dokie LLC production with Queer Spec Publishing. Graveyard Orbit is produced by Sarah Century. Sound engineering is provided by Nathaniel Hubbard, creator of the podcast Tighten Up the Defense, and a writer for Garden Plus with Skeletor. Musical assistance for the series has been provided by Kate Warner, Katie Taylor, and Sarah Century. Any additional music attribution will be in the show notes. Thanks to S.E. Fleenor as publisher and editorial director at Queer Spec, Monica Estrella Negra as decoded editor, Priya Saxena for copy editing and marketing support, and Maria Violante for web support. Episode art is by Sarah Century. Please visit queerspec.com or decodedpride.com for more details on the episode and the people who bring you this podcast, as well as merch and links to other queer spec projects. To show further support for the podcast, follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash queerspec. All Decoded Horror Stories belong to their respective writers. This podcast, all voice recordings, transcripts, and any portion thereof may not be reproduced or used in any manner without the express written permission of the publisher, except for the brief use of quotations and reviews. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. 
As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 